0: I kind of want to take up the, um, the, the, the crucifixion and resurrection. Just remind yourselves of what Jesus went through on uh, Friday night. Those of you that came, we, were, we had just quite a reflective night and a little bit of worship in regards to just that crucifixion aspect of what Jesus did. So imagine, if you would, uh, have in your mind... The suffering of Jesus and what he went through. And um, just take your mind back to the words when Jesus said, when he was calling out to the Father after the suffering, after the beating, after the mocking, after the crown of thorns had been placed upon him, after those that had been close to him betrayed him and his friends left him. And him being the son of God, him being the king of kings, he even said, I can't remember whether it was to Herod or Pontius Pilate, that at any time he could call down from heaven and a thousand angels would come and rescue him. But he didn't call on those thousand uh, angels. He endured the suffering. And then a little while before he was about to Die before he gave up the ghost, as the scripture tells us, in Luke it says and records that moments or minutes before he passed away, he cried out to the father, not Lord bring judgment on these people because what they have done to be not Lord strike the earth with your judgment. No, Jesus responded from the heart cry locked up in his heart. The reason why he'd come to the planet And he cries out to his father, Father, forgive. Father, forgive these people. Father, forgive this world. Because they don't understand what they're doing. See, at the very essence of Jesus, the reason why he endured the cross for the joy set before him, as Terry and Karen have reminded us, is that he did it for you to purchase you forgiveness. For whatever you have done in your life, whatever mistakes and trouble you have brought, that Jesus endured that for you to free you from the guilt and shame of our sins. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now put yourself in the um, shoes of um, those that followed him. Those that had said words like, Jesus... I will give my life for you. I will not betray you. Peter and the rest of the disciples all said that they would never leave Jesus nor betray him. And then they watched the suffering of Jesus. They watched him pinned to a cross. They watched that the one that they loved, the one that they had dedicated their lives to serve, the one that they had walked with and listened to and sat down and had meals with and watched the miracles take place, they watched their dream die On a cross. You know, those of us who have lost close ones to us. Imagine the grief in the hearts of those who really did love Jesus. Weak that they were, they really loved him. And you know, when you lose someone close to you, the grief can be at times almost unbearable, almost overwhelming. That you can't see anything else but the grief and the pain. And then also imagine that in the disciples, as they were reflecting after he died, the guilt and shame of not standing up for Jesus when they could have. And see, between the time that he was crucified and that period, a day or so, there would have been all these thoughts, the grief, the pain, the shame of not standing up for him, all tied into their thoughts and their emotions. And then we come to the resurrection. So you've got to understand, friends, don't minimize the reaction of the disciples as they go to the tomb. And I want to take up the story in the morning of the resurrection found in Luke chapter 24, verse 1 through to 12. And can we stand for the reading of the scriptures, please? Luke chapter 24, 1 through to 12. Remember the heart and what was going on in the minds of these people. He had shaken the city. Verse 24. Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb bringing the spices which they had prepared. They were coming to prepare the body. They were not coming for a resurrection. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Verse 3. Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed. Greatly perplexed. What is going on? What is going on? We have come to care for this body. We've been through all this turmoil. And then they look in a tomb where they expect to find death. And there is nothing. Zilcho. Imagine. Perplexed to me doesn't quite describe how I would be feeling uh, and it happened as they were greatly per- perplexed about this that behold two men stood by them and shining. Garments. That word for shining garments actually means that their clothes were shining like the strike of lightning. That there was a glow upon these two men. They come to a place of death. They're looking for a dead body and instead they encounter two men who are shining like lightning. Imagine how that would illuminate. Imagine how that would make you feel with all the stuff that's going on. Then as they were afraid, that word afraid means literally terrified, and they bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? Why do you seek to find and look for someone you think is dead, but is alive. You see, here's the truth about the wonder of Christianity. Here's the truth about you and I, is that sometimes we are looking for a dead Savior, sometimes because of life, sometimes because of things that happen. We forget that he is resurrected, and we treat Jesus like he is dead to our lives. But he's not. Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. All of a sudden, there was a cog that turned in the minds of these women when they started to realize that something significant was happening before them. And they were remembering the words of this Jesus who had impacted their lives. They didn't understand, but now the cogs are turning. And then they remembered his words. Then they returned to the tomb. And told all these things to the eleven. To all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James and the other woman with them. No Females. Ladies. Where were the men? And their words seemed to be like idle tales. And they did not believe them. But Peter arose, ran to the tomb. Peter didn't walk. He didn't casually stroll out of curiosity. This man who had betrayed the one he loved, who had made this great stand about how brave and fierce he would be, here's something. And him, Peter, the cog, would have started to turn as well. You see, friends, Easter is about the cogs turning in the mind of our understanding. Then, But Peter arose and ran to the tomb, and stooping down, he saw the linen cloths lying by themselves, and he departed, marveling to himself what had happened. You may be seated. Peter runs to the tomb. This tomb is, That was empty of the one that he had turned his back on. And it says that Peter began to marvel, to be amazed at what was happening around his world at that moment. You see, from the heartache, from the shame, from all the mistakes that he'd made, from all the disappointment, from the grief, there was an instance where something began to change. You see, Easter is about something that has begun to change, something that changed the world, that a resurrected, I'm getting excited, that a resurrected Jesus, that this one who was dead was now Alive. You see, Christianity without the resurrection is nothing at all. It is just like all the other philosophies that the world and the religions proclaim. But the thing that makes us different is that the one we serve conquered death. Hallelujah. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! He continued to appear. For 40 days, 40 days, he progressively began to appear to all those that were his. 40 days. Now I want to read another scripture to you. You can remain seated. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3 to 8. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 to 8. Paul the writer For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received. Paul is talking about something he received and how his life was about delivering this thing that he had received. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. So Paul is quoting Stuff about Jesus. He's quoting that the scriptures mentioned all these things. Verse 5. And that he was seen by Cephas Peter. Then by the twelve. And after that he was seen by over 500 brethren at once. Jesus, the man who was meant to be dead, who had suffered, appeared at even one moment to hundreds and hundreds of people. Now in modern court, and law today, and cases that go about, if you were to have that many witnesses to testify to something that happened, that is absolutely, overwhelmingly significant and convincing. Paul, the writer of this, was never a man not to write down the facts. 500 brethren at once of whom the greater part remain to the present. So at that time that he wrote this, there were still many, many of these witnesses alive who testified to seeing a risen Savior. Verse 7. After that, he was seen by James and then by all the apostles. Now, verse 8. Then last of all, he was seen by me also, out of due time, I want you to think about this. There are all these people within a f- period of 40 days that many of them had seen the crucifixion, many of them had seen the, 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 sport, the spear jammed into the side, and Jesus die. And there were these many people that then witnessed the resurrection. But then a number of years later, probably six years later, so Jesus had resurrected, he had ascended to heaven. But then six years later, another man whose name was Saul, who was a persecutor, who was against Christianity, who was trying to destroy Christianity, then encounters the risen Jesus. Because he testifies himself that some six years later, he also encounters Jesus. The resurrected Jesus. This morning I want to encourage you that the resurrected Jesus, who is indeed alive, not only did uh, appear to people all those years ago, but through time, through the hundreds and hundreds of years of history, Jesus has continued to reveal himself to mankind. And you yourselves, many of you can testify that you, like Paul, can say that me, born out of the season. I wasn't there when Jesus was alive. I wasn't there when he was crucified. But hundreds, hundreds, centuries later, you can testify because you have encountered the risen Jesus. Is that not something to shout about? Is that not something to take Easter and go, Jesus is alive. Hallelujah. 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 Are you ready? So can I have two stalls? So I, to make sure that we have evidence today that indeed the risen Savior is indeed still alive and still appearing to people today, I have selected four people to give testimony as Paul did. And the first one, I want you to put your hands together for Paula. Have we got a microphone for Paula? Yep. Terry, I'll actually have a drink of that water too. Yes, I'm bringing it up. Because I've got, I need more spit. I haven't got enough spit. (laughs) Kevin, do you want some spit? Come closer. Have a seat. Paula's looking very sharp today in her lovely dress. Give her a hand. You nervous? Yes. Good. (laughs) I'd be nervous looking at these people too, though.
1: Not a bad looking bunch.
0: (laughs) In fact, we used to have quite a good looking
1: church. (laughs) It all changed when I joined. No, and then
0: we had a couple of people from Planet Shakers turn up. (laughs) Sorry, can't have Right, Rightio, I'm going to ask Paula a question. Now, remember... At the end of your testimony, when I give you the cue, I want you to respond by leaping up and telling me Jesus is alive. Declaring to the heavenlies, Jesus is alive. Paula, why do you believe Jesus is alive today?
1: I believe Jesus is alive today because I am living proof of God's prophetic nature. Um, so I'm going to kick off with Ezekiel 34:16, where the sovereign Lord speaks about himself being the shepherd, God is the shepherd, and he's speaking to Israel and he says, I will search for the lost ones and uh, who strayed away and I will bring them back home, home being back into relationship with God and in the sanctuary of his care. So um, my, the quick version of my life is that I came to the Lord when I was 18 years old. Um, I was baptised and um, I, knew, I knew of God, but I didn't know God. And so after nine years, I fell away and went back into the world. Now, jettison yourself 35 years after that. And um, I am having a, um, a dinner party and I need some dining chairs, So I answered an add-on marketplace and uh, when I got there, um, the lady showed me the chairs, I agreed to uh, buy them and then this kind of nervous, lovely little young thing said to me, I'm a Christian Mm -hmm. and I believe in the power of prayer and she said, sometimes when I pray, God speaks to me. And God spoke to me and he's got a message for you. And my heart and the the hairs on the back of my neck were standing up and I'm like, what's he going to (laughs) say? And he said, God said, I've I've never forgotten you. Mm. That that moment changed my life. But let me put you in the picture. The state that I was in when I got that message, I was suffering from PTSD. I um, was crippled by anxiety and fear. My marriage was total rubbish and in fact six months later we separated. Um, I was lost, I was injured and and I was weak and the second half of that uh, verse in Ezekiel says that he will bandage the injured and he will strengthen the weak So, um, from that time on, so it took like over a four year period, that was 2018, over a four year period, God gently and lovingly brought me back to him and he grounded me in some foundations and I became to know God. Um, so I said, well, I didn't say, but there are actually two verses where I can prove that I'm, um proof of God's prophetic nature the next one is Jesus the um, verse in Matthew 20 uh, what is it 18 12 to 12 to 14 where Jesus talks about himself as a shepherd and he talks about the parable of the lost sheep Um, and he says that he will leave the 99 and go Mm. and find the one that is lost um Okay, so, so, Paul, I'm going to ask yes. you a
0: question. Okay. So, there yep. you encounter this voice through a friend, a message, and then to your life today... Stranger. What... Stranger. Mm-hmm. Um, what is the state of your heart now? What is the state of the struggles that you had back then compared to where you are now? Okay.
1: So, over that four-year period where God healed me... Um, I, My mental health was healed. Um, I was back in relationship with God. Um, and then 18 months ago, he he reconciled my marriage. Woo! <laughs> anxiety? Anxiety. Um, look, anxiety, 99% healed. These 99%. occasions, it rears its head. <laughs> so... And there's also a punchline to this. So, when I went to buy the chairs, the last thing that the lady said to me was that God wants you to have these for free. And um, now I realize that that is because salvation is free. It was a free gift. And God came looking for me when I was lost. And, you know, I'm. I'm nobody, I still don't understand why God did that but it's just God's love for us
0: Fantastic so, yes. Are you ready? Are you ready?
1: He is alive He is alive He has risen
0: He is <laughs> Told you i not going No, right, sit back down, we're going to do that again Read your notes, Keith you ready? He is risen. He is alive. Woo. Thank you, Amen. awesome, Thank Paula. You. Go down and pass the mic oh. to. <laughs> so it says in um, Luke nineteen ten. Uh, Nicole, do you want to come up, please? Uh, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. So for Paula, thousands of years later, thousands of years later, when she is walking the earth, living her life, going through her struggles, that Jesus sought her out. And that I don't know all of you, I don't know where you're all at, but I want to tell you that Jesus is always seeking us out to find us and to make us the people that we're meant to be. I love testimonies. Excellent job, Paula. Nicole, how are you? Good, thank you. How many people think Nicole looks sharp today? (laughs) Mark, you're blessed. Mark's her husband. He's watching.
2: Um, Maybe.
0: (laughs) Maybe. will send Jesus to seek him out. <laughs> or Jesus will. So, Nicole, why do you believe Jesus is alive?
2: Okay, why do I believe that Jesus is alive? That's a pretty loaded question. Um, there's, I think mainly because I know, well, I became a Christian when I was very young at the age of 10, as most of you know. So my heart was for the Lord at that age. So when I gave my heart to him, I know that he took my life and he planted that seed of faith in my heart. So it was a very small little seed that has grown and grown and grown in my life. And um, I guess I could say now, as a person who is older and experienced life in some ways we all experience different things in life but I can say that uh, now I know that Jesus is living because his Holy Spirit consumes me that every breath that I take is for the Lord and um, there's a verse in my in scripture in Psalm 37 and it says that he will give if you trust in him that if you step out for him, that if you believe that he will order your steps and that he'll give you the desires of your heart. And I was thinking about that and I was thinking how God has given me the desires of my heart, but not in the natural scheme of things, but in a spiritual, in a, in a, in a soul-satisfying desire in my heart. Um, You know, I always dreamed that I would belong to a big family and my family is my husband and myself. Our parents have gone, we have no children, and we have no extended family. But then I realised that God did give me a big family because he gave me a spiritual family. So he gave me a desire of my heart. Another desire I had was... um, you know, that I wanted to have a family, but in the natural that didn't happen. But I know that God has given me many, many children through my life that God has brought into my life and that I've been, you know, like a mother too, I suppose. So that's another desire that God has given me in my life. Um, and just recently, um, I guess one of my desires in my heart that I always wanted to do something for the Lord Um, in my life. And that seed has grown and grown and grown. And um, I have done many things for the Lord, but there's always something that I wanted to do, I guess, in my workplace for the Lord. And just recently I became a a chaplain and that's been, that's been, um, yeah, it's been an amazing thing. I remember, um, you know, when I first got told that I got the job, it was sort of, I just can't believe it. I just can't believe it that God's done this for me. Um, that he's put me in that place where I can actually be an ambassador for him. And not saying that I haven't been in my other jobs, but this is something that's really special. So God, you know, he surprises us. Like when Karen was talking about that joy, I think of that book that C.S. Lewis wrote, Surprised by Joy. You know, when he it was like, you know, he turned and Jesus was there. Like he turned and Jesus was there. He turned and Jesus was there. And that's what he's done for me that every time I've turned, Jesus has been there for me. And he's embraced me and he's given me. And he's just, my life is because of Jesus. So that's why I know his life. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
0: Are you ready? He is risen. He is alive. He is alive. He is awesome. Yeah. Thank you, Nicole. Do you want to pass Karen okay. the mic? Give her up. Yeah, give her up. It says in John 10.10, 10, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. So there is a devil. There is an enemy. And that's why people are lost, because they're under the control of this thief who steals what real life should be about. And then Jesus says this, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Nicole's testimony to prove that Jesus is alive is that she is living a life of abundance and blessing and living out the cry of her heart. Hallelujah. Rightio, Kieran. Keith. (laughs) Forgive her, disrespect. I have to all the time. All the time. <laughs> Karen, um, why do you believe Jesus is alive? You were brought up in Christianity. Why now as an adult at, how old are you? Like She's like 28, 27?
3: 28.
0: 28. <clears> throat> um, throat> Thank you, Dad. Why have you not left the faith? Why have you not gone and left this ridiculous life that your parents tried to teach you? Why do you it's not ridiculous. Jesus but anyway? is alive?
3: Um well there's multiple things. Um am I supposed to share my little testimony a snippet? You can of it?
0: you can <laughs>
3: Um Well first of all I'm like why would you leave somebody who's a solid foundation? And I'm like God has always been like a steadfast part of my life and um always been my solid rock. But um, as a personal experience, everybody knows kind of uh, me and... Not everybody. And not everyone, but my husband and our story was that we really, really wanted to have kids and have a family. And at a young age, I was told that it was just a no-go. It would never, ever happen. And if I conceived, um, you know, I would miscarry. There would just be absolutely no chance of me having a child of my own. And um,
0: Karen, can you bring... Today,
3: (laughs) I'm like, I, you know, through Jesus and, you know, the world says one thing, but he says another. And, um, we've actually got our little miracle and our little thing. We've got little Aliana. Is that what I'm supposed to be doing, Keith?
0: This here. (laughs) So Karen, I want to ask you when you were in that place of desperation and feeling that you may not never be a mum and the tears that you cried. Are you trying to make me cry right now? (laughs) Well, the thing about this is, you (laughs) see, the disciples way back when they saw Jesus crucified, their dream of a future, their hope of all the promises that Jesus had spoken died Mm. with that death. But when he rose again, when he rose again, that changed everything. And see, because he rose again, that changes everything about what the world might say. Mm. And so when you were in that place,
3: in the, you were not a happy... No, I was not. <laughs> um, I guess God heard the deepest parts of my cry and the te- all the tears that I shed over it. And he turned what the world said no into a yes. And Hallelujah. how good is that? Are you ready? <laughs> Are you going to
4: lift her up he like the light? He is risen.
0: <laughs> he is alive. He is alive. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you, this for me is the evidence that he is risen and is alive. We prayed many, many prayers with Karen over a number of years. And to me, this proves, me, proves that my Jesus is alive. She is such a blessing. Okay, Hallelujah. <laughs> Do you want to give the mic to Ken? It says this in the scripture. Ken, you want to come up wherever you are? It says in Isaiah 53 verse 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. Friends, you got, must remember, Jesus was wounded mortally for our transgressions. He was bruised. Bruised beyond the ability for people to recognize him. For our iniquities. For our wrong, he suffered. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And hallelujah for this bit. And by his stripes, by the whips, by the beating, by the tearing of his flesh, we are healed. And your body... And whatever is happening in your life, because of the stripping away of his flesh from that whip, we have healing, my friends. Healing emotionally. Healing from mental illness. Healing from when the medical fraternity may say something is impossible because of the stripes. Hallelujah. He is risen. Amen. Amen. Everybody, do you not think Ken looks very marvelous today? Ken, so I'm going to ask you the same question. Why do you believe Jesus is alive
5: today? Right. There's a beautiful song that I've taken out of a song book that I want to share that, that, that really rings in my heart. It says, Would you know why I love Jesus why he's so dear to me? Tis because my blessed Saviour from my sins has ransomed me. He has pardoned my transgressions. He has washed me white as snow. Tis because the blood of Jesus fully saves and cleanses me. Tis because amid temptation he supports and strengthens me. And tis because In every conflict, Jesus saves and gives me victory. He is my friend and always will be my friend. And this is why I love my Jesus. It's good. You know... um,
0: So, Ken, tell us about your experience
5: uh, at Christmas. What happened at Christmas? Before I do that, Keith, there's something... I had prepared last night, but God had woke me up two o'clock this morning to change it.
0: Okay, I can't argue with that.
5: (laughs) (laughs) So, um, you know, I was raised as a Catholic, and as a little boy of ten years old, I would go into church every lunchtime and stand at the foot of the cross. The cross would be at the front near the altar and you could stand there and look at Jesus. I would look at him and see the crown on his head. He's bleeding. The nails in his hands. And there was blood. The nails in his feet. And the pierced cut in his side. And I used to look at him and say, you're a brave man. I didn't understand. I had no idea why he went to that cross. No one shared with me. I would just feel sorry for this guy. It wasn't until I turned 30 that I had to go to another church, the Salvation Army, where I found Jesus. I was born again. I was set free. Jesus loved me. I didn't know. I didn't understand it. He set me free. You know, some of us go through changes in our lives. You know, I came here two years ago. And I had to make changes. And changes can be challenging. We all go through changing. You know, Keith, I have written everything that you've preached about since I've been here. You've challenged people. You've shown God's love. And it's been so precious to me. And I've taken on things that you've challenged me we have to make changes you know when we we see a moon eclipse we know there's going to be a change God speaks to us he challenges us to make changes in our lives now what I share with you you know when we, we go through we get married we have to make a change When we have a child comes into a house, we have to make changes. We get divorced, we make changes. We lose somebody, we have to make changes. We get sick and we have to make changes. I hope you can hear me. Now, what I'm going to share with you, some of you may not, you may doubt. But God's going to change you. He's going to do something with you today. You know, last December, I had, um, I had been dealing with cancer for 12 months prior. Uh, I'd been in hospital the year before at Christmas, and they found that I'd had cancer on the liver. And um, so they were dealing with me. And all of a sudden I got a phone call to say, you need an urgent operation in the Royal Melbourne Hospital. And um, I uh, thought, well, my attitude was, oh, I'll only be there two or three days, maybe four at the most. And um, so I packed just enough for four days, my medication, everything like that. They didn't want me to travel by public transport. Cobus was was around. So ambulance all the way to the Royal Melbourne Hospital. I call this story that God rocked Ward 3 West. He really rocked it. it. It was so challenging. And when I got there the doctors explained to me the, the procedure that I was going to go through and how many days I might be there. And I said, oh, I thought I'm going to get here a few days and I've only got enough stuff for then. Oh, don't worry, we've we got it all in hand. So you're having the operation today. And so um, uh, I uh, went in to have the surgery. And during the surgery, I had a wonderful experience. Jesus appeared to me. He said, I want to take you on a journey, Ken.
0: So if I may interject, just at that point, so after he'd come out of the surgery uh, and the doctors talked to him, they'd said that he'd been dead for seven minutes. So you've got to understand, so he was dead on the table for seven minutes. And this is kind of where this, carry
5: on mate. Yeah, thank you. Um, Yeah, Jesus said to me, I want to take you on a journey. I said, oh, you've taken me on so many journeys, where are we going? (laughs) (laughs) Took me to heaven. He took me to heaven. He showed me little children running around and enjoying themselves and were happy. He took me to people who were singing so beautifully for Jesus and the music was so peaceful. He took me to people who were praying so beautifully and powerfully for you and for, for me and for everybody else. You know, there's room in heaven for billions of people. He wants us all there, and they're praying for us to be there. He said to me, I'm taking you back. I said, what? <laughs> I want to stay. <laughs> no. I'll talk to you later. So, um, you know, I woke up with all these upper and around me and... And uh, they were asking me to, um, where was I? And could I count 10 and count 10 backwards and all this sort of thing? I'm thinking, what's going on? Anyway, uh, the next, next day, the doctor came in and sat down beside me. And as Keith said, he told me I'd passed. Passed for seven minutes. Oh, I said, that was a great 7 minutes I had with Jesus <laughs> that's why and he said oh that's possible <laughs> anyway strange things started to happen i started to see things that before they actually happened he i had that special secret with god that he was showing me things before they actually happened so when The doctors came in the next day, I knew exactly what they were going to say to me. They said, uh, You're going to have some more surgery. You're going to have, what was it, gallbladder gallbladder removed. And also to deal with my lungs, that the fluid was going in and I was drowning and all that sort of thing. So, without saying, and I kept praying, Well, God's got it all in hand. And I had a beautiful man next to me in the same ward who was from Leeton. who's a Christian man who wasn't afraid to share his faith, you know? You know, and, and during uh, uh, a couple of days after that, uh, I was in a heavy sleep. And I... Uh, God, Jesus came to me again. And he, and, um, he said to me, Ken... I need to talk to you. What about? (laughs) Um, He said, um, you know, I have to remind you that I didn't put you here. I don't make you sick, but I had to bring you here to talk to you. I make people well. And I want to make you well. But you have to do what you're told to do. And you didn't do it. From 1996, I was diagnosed with diabetes. And your doctors tell you what you need to do to reverse your diabetes. Go on a diet. Do exercise. Do this. Do that. To get well. I ignored them. I did what I wanted to do. It was hard to give up stuff, make changes. Then he said, 2006, I had to go on insulin. More changes. Don't do this. Don't eat that. Exercise. Do this. Do that. You didn't do it. It's like a hidden sin. And he said, "That's why you're here. You need to repent. You need to change." I burst into tears. I repented. I won't do that again. Awesome. I wouldn't do it again.
0: And uh, Ken, I'm going to have to interject now because I've got some other people to do some things. So it's oh.
5: excellent. It's all good.
0: So um, Jesus <sighs> is alive. Because Ken, on a hospital table in an operation, died for seven minutes, met Jesus, and Jesus talked to him about what you've heard. You'll hear more of Ken's story later on. So Jesus is risen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I, you want to pass the mic down hallelujah are you ready I have to read the notes again Our oh, pickers coming up he has risen
6: Jesus is alive
0: hold on sit back down half of you never got up are you ready he is risen. Yes. Jesus is alive. Hallelujah. Awesome. Stay so there, Pekka is going to sing a song. And I just dropped my sound gear. And it's a song that she wrote before we were kids. Basically, it's the crucifixion story. No,
4: before we had kids. Not before we
0: were kids. Oh, before we had kids. And um, <laughs> we're still kids. And so, uh, then um, we're going to have communion.
4: So Keith said to me, Oh, you know this song you wrote? I am, I am. I said, It's Keith's and my fortieth wedding anniversary. Not bad, huh? So I thought, here we going? So I thought to myself, he's asked me to sing a song. I should sing the song. How's that? Is that better? Ooh, praise God! So I wrote the song around about nineteen ninety something. Okay, um, I've I've probably sung it maybe twice in, in a small group situation. I've never really sung it. Um, I've got someone at the back giving me directions, Keith. <laughs> I've never really sung it in front of a group, so um, I just wanted to tell you um, when I got saved. I got saved, saved. It wasn't a partial and a little bit. It was like all or nothing for me. And when I wrote this song, every time I sing it, it just reminds me that God is who he says he is. So I'm just going to share it with you.
6: she found Tell
4: Scripture and tell you a message, but everything that I believe and know about God is actually in that song. I know that God is the Great I Am. I know that Jesus is the Great I Am. For some people, it takes a lifetime to come to know our God, and for some people, it just happens in an instant. I, I mean, I'm always marvel at um, Nicole being saved when she was 10. And if you listen to her testimony, it's actually online when she spoke one Wednesday night. Her testimony is amazing. She was changed radically at 10 years old. Um, I was 21. Um, There are some people who were 70, some who were 50, some who were five years old. It doesn't make any difference. What I love most about Jesus is that he seeks and he saves the lost. At any stage of your life, if you ever have that sense of, man, I'm being tumbled, I feel lost. Cry out to Jesus and he will save you. Doesn't matter where you are, doesn't matter what's going on, cry out to Jesus and he will save you. I don't know how that will look, but I believe emphatically in the power and the majesty of our God to save us. Amen. So I'd like you to share with me in in this communion. So we take the top off. Mm. Lord Jesus, at this Easter time, We thank you for your body that was broken for us. We thank you that the power of the majesty and amazing supernatural power of God caused you to rise again so that you could seek and save us, we who were once lost, Lord God. And we give all glory and power and praise unto you. And we thank you, Lord God, for this gift. In Jesus' name, share with me. Oh, the blood of Jesus that washes white as snow, that causes us, Lord God, to come to you and to know the power of you, yourself, your cleansing, Lord God, your healing, Lord God, your promises that you never break. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for all that you are. Amen.
0: Reflecting on what Jesus did Amen. about celebrating that he in fact is a risen saviour and there are many more instances where he wants to appear to all of us and prove that he is the risen saviour if you have never met Jesus if you don't really know him the scripture that says that he came to seek and save the lost Hallelujah. so we're going to finish the service with a prayer that I would like everybody to pray with me. So if you'll follow me in this prayer. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus you are the risen Savior. You have saved me from sin. I have the hope of the resurrection, I have the hope of the resurrection. that when I die,
4: that when I die
0: I will be with you.
4: I will be with you.
0: Thank you Jesus.
4: Thank you Jesus.
0: I honor you.
4: I honor you.
0: I declare you as my Lord.
4: I declare you as my Lord.
6: Amen. Amen.